Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I had someone write in and they ask a very basic question, can God use me? Well, I want to talk about, I I want to respond to that in this podcast. I have a 2,000 word response a little more than that. And if you want to read my response, you can. You see, this is an intricate podcast. I want to answer the question in the context in which the person was asking it, but I also want to bring a little more color to it, bring a little more contour to it, because it is a broad and intricate question. And so I want to come at it uh, from a couple different angles. And if you want to read my response to this question, you can read this podcast in its entirety on our website, rickthomas.com. Net. The title of the podcast and the article is, Can God Use Me? The Non-Disqualifying Grace of God. And so I want to talk about when we sin, as we look back in the rearview mirror, and we sin and we ask, can God use me? But I also want to come at it because from this angle, some people look at their lives, their gifting, their strengths, their weaknesses or whatever, And they compare themselves to other people, and they can't disqualify themselves because they can't sing as well as that person. They're not as bold or charismatic as the other person, and they can disqualify themselves. And so whether you're looking through the rearview mirror and you see regret in your past and you're asking this question, can God use me? Or if you're comparing yourself to other people and your lack of giftedness or whatever it may be, well... You can ask the same question, can God use me? But then there's another angle that I want to talk about as well. When we do sin, can God use sin sinlessly? And the answer to that question, I'll go ahead and tell you, He can. He has used sin sinlessly in many lives. And so the big answer is that God can use you, and thus I've titled this podcast, Can God Use Me? The Non-Disqualifying Grace of God. You see, God's not looking for a few good men. He's not looking for a few good women. He's not looking for a few folks with specific character traits. It's not about your personality. It's not about your wit. That's not what God wants. That's not how it works in the grace of God world in which you live. You know, some people talking about their strengths and weaknesses, they'll say, I'm not the rich guy, the friendly guy, the healthy guy. I'm not the nice-looking guy. I'm not, I'm not the young guy, the gifted guy, the bold guy. I'm not the persevering guy. As you listen to those statements, rich, friendly, healthy, nice-looking, young, popular, gifted, bold, persevering, what is the theme that runs through that? The theme is a preoccupation with oneself. And that's one of the key ideas that I want to communicate in this podcast We want to make sure that as we think about ourselves that we don't become stuck on ourselves and become preoccupied with what we have done in the past or the kind of person that we are. I didn't mention here, you know, I'm introverted. But we, we have this way of comparing ourselves and disqualifying ourselves because we're not like the other person. And so the introverted person will say, well, I'm just not charismatic like so and so, and they have all the gifts. 
Let me go back to my opening statement. God's not looking for a few good men or women. He's not looking for a few folks with specific character traits. That is not how it works in the grace of God world in which we live. And so if you are looking in the rearview mirror and you see regret over things that you have done in your past, or if you're comparing yourself to other people and you're having one of these uh, pity parties, uh, that, that we can find ourselves in from time to time. Uh, you need to understand that God's grace is greater than all of these things. You see, it doesn't matter if you're like any of these individuals that I've mentioned here, rich, friendly, healthy, nice-looking, young, popular, gifted, bold, persevering. And it doesn't matter if you're not like them. You can be like them or be not like them. The list is not the criteria that will determine if God will use you. None of these things that I have listed, or maybe you have your own list as you think about yourself, and whatever that is on that list, however short it may be, and none of these things qualify or disqualify you from the empowering grace of God that works in you. God's not looking for qualified men or women to use. I mean, the truth is, I don't even know what that means by qualified in the sense that you have to possess this or possess that in order to be used by God. What is God looking for? It's really basic. It's, you could say it's one thing. God's looking for humility He's looking for a humble man, a humble woman, who wants to make his name great. The real question that we should be asking, you could ask it this way, and I think you can get your answer loud and clear. Can God use me a simple, broken jar of clay? That's a better way to ask the question. And of course, you know the answer to that question. Yes, he can. But you can say it better than that. Not just, yes, he can, but he will use you. If you are a humble person, if you're a humble, simple, broken jar of clay, you're in the perfect spot to be used by God because you are a unique person that God has called to do an unusual job for him. And I do mean unique Every one of us is different, and that's why you don't want to compare yourself with another person. You don't want to compare your strengths, your gifts, your talents, and you don't want to compare your sin list, whatever you may have done as you look in that rearview mirror. God will use your uniqueness, even your failures, even your weaknesses to accomplish his purposes. Here's the truth that should bring you assurance. Listen to this carefully. There is nothing that should disqualify you from being used by God. There is nothing that should disqualify you from being used by God. God's empowering grace is more significant than your weaknesses, your failures, and yes, even your sins. God's ability to overcome your mistakes is higher than your ability to make mistakes. Now, some people will argue, and this is an unfortunate argument. It really shouldn't even be part of the discussion, but I've been living long enough. I'm old enough uh, to know that this argument will come forth where somebody will say, well, Rick, you just opened the door to presume on God's grace. And what they're saying by that is, 
oh, well, if nothing will disqualify me, then I can live a reckless life if I want to. If nothing will disqualify me, not even my weaknesses, not my failures, not my mistakes, well, then I can do pretty much what I want to do. That's foolish talk right there. That that has nothing to do with this conversation if you are a Christian. You see, Paul talked about this idea in Romans. David talked about it also in the book of Psalms. Let me start with Romans. Paul said in Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, if God's grace is so great, we can continue in sin. Paul said, by no means. How can we who died to sin, live in it. You see, if you have died to sin, that's another way of saying if you are a Christian, that's why you wouldn't even bring up this conversation. You wouldn't even talk about it opening the door to being reckless because that's not how a Christian thinks. David said it this way in Psalm 19. He said, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Presumption means to take for granted. What the idea here is, is, well, I can just take God's grace, by, uh, take God's grace for granted because it doesn't matter. God's going to forgive me. I can presume against his grace. Men and women who are dead to sin and alive to Christ, they don't think and behave in ungodly ways. They also don't presume against God's grace. You see, Christians are always seeking and desiring to live in holiness. They're not leaning that way. They're not leaning towards sin. They're not moving towards sin. They're dead to sin. They're leaning toward holiness. They're pursuing Christ. That's the direction that they are going. That is an expected Christian way of life. Holiness and a desire to be holy is the air the Christian breathes. There's no other way to think for a person who has been born from above. It's like asking an Italian not to eat pasta. The thought is not fathomable for an Italian. To take away his pasta is to make him into something completely different from what he is. To think a Christian would spend his time thinking about sinning while plotting a course to circumvent the grace of God is even more unfathomable. You see, Christians don't do that. Christians are born again by incorruptible seed. That's why the argument is so fallacious. If a person says, well, Rick, you say there is nothing that should disqualify you from being used by God, then you have just opened the door for a person to presume on God's grace. No, I, I haven't because Christians are born with incorruptible seed. That's First Peter 1. He says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. If we're talking about a person who's looking for a loophole so they can sin, well, then we, sh we shouldn't be talking about non-disqualification. We shouldn't be talking about how God's grace is greater than their sin. No, we need to be talking about something else because if that is how a person is thinking, we need to be talking about repentance here. A natural man thinks about how to sin, 
Christians ponder how to be holy as God is holy. But I will say that even if a person chooses to sin willfully, let's say that we do have a person who's leaning that way, running that way, plotting that way. Well, here's something profound for you to think about. Now, I am not suggesting you do that. I wholeheartedly say stop, pull up, go the other way, repent. But even if a person chooses to sin willfully, their sin will not thwart the purposes of God. There will be consequences for their sin. There will be a payday someday for their sin, but it won't thwart the purposes of God. I would never recommend sin as a right response to God and others, but here is a transcendent truth. There is nothing that can stop God from using you to bring good purposes to pass, even if he uses your sin. You see, Pharaoh, Pilate, and Judas are illustrations of this. They didn't care anything about the grace of God. They didn't care anything about holiness. Holiness was not the air that they breathed. But God chose to use them anyway, even though they were living contrary to the ways of God. Their wretched lives and determined abandonment from God did not stop God from His purposes. You could say that the Lord used their sin sinlessly. That's what's so profound about God's grace. That's so, that is what's so profound about God's will and His purposes, even though some people do choose to sin and do choose to live a reckless life. Even that can't thwart God's purposes. Paul talked about this in Romans 9. He says, For the Scripture says to Pharaoh, quote, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth, Romans 9.17. God not only uses our sin sinlessly, but he uses all of our imperfections for his world-altering glory. The truth is that it has to be this way, and it cannot be any other way. God exalts weakness, not strength. God will not compete with you. He demands weakness out of you. And if you get too self-important, thinking you are somebody when you are not, he may even send a reminder to let you know that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to you. And that's what he said in 4-7 of 2 Corinthians. Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why, Paul? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Our call is not to be self-absorbed in our thinking, wondering if God can use us. Our call is to move forward in a God-centered assurance that nothing can disqualify us from God's ability to use us. If you're struggling with shyness, God can use you. If you're struggling with anxiety, God can use you too. If you're struggling with a boring personality, God can use you. If you struggle with being poor, God can use you. If you have gift limitations, meaning you're not as gifted as whomever you might be comparing yourself with, God can use you. 
And if you're not good looking, God can use even you. Now, it may be that you need to grow and you need to mature regarding some of the conditions that I've noted here, like shyness and anxiety, possibly a boring personality. Of course, if you have the good-looking problem like I have, meaning you're not good-looking, there's no cure for that. But that's where the non-disqualifying grace of God comes in handy because even if you're not attractive like I am, you're not disqualified. Do not ever think that there is a special place that you must arrive before God can use you. If you think that way, you may be sitting on the sidelines for a long time waiting to qualify yourself to play in God's game of life. You are qualified today to live for God, to walk with God, to serve God, and to make His beautiful name great in your sphere of influence. Remember Moses? He felt like his ability to talk well would hinder the purposes of God. Remember Peter? He was regularly putting his foot in his mouth, and God still used him in spite of himself. You remember Timothy? Paul had to remind him not to be ashamed of his young age. Youth does not hinder God, young person. Remember Paul? He was super intelligent, especially when it came to the Old Testament religion, according to a Pharisaical worldview. But that did not hinder God from using him. The bottom line for you, the bottom line for me, is that God has chosen to take his treasure and place it in jars of clay. And that is what is so impressive about how God operates. He does not hide his treasure under a bushel, but places it in perishable, not quite ready for prime time, jars of clay. Remember Peter? Remember John in Acts 4? It says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The crowd recognized Peter and John as men who had been with Jesus, and that is your qualification. Are you with Jesus? It was not their pedigree, whatever that means, that God used, but it was the fact that they had been with Jesus God made you the way you are, so get over yourself and begin owning your strengths and your weaknesses for the purposes that God has for you and for others. Now, as I said, maybe you need to grow up more in Christ. Maybe you need to mature. Maybe you need to chip a few things off that jar of clay, but get over yourself and get busy with the Lord Somebody will say, well, Rick, you don't understand. I'm too short. Okay. Are you too short for God to use you? That's the real question. Now, you can fill in the blank. Are you too whatever for God to use you? Are you too short in comparison to cultural expectations? Are you too short to be used in God's kingdom? Those questions are irrelevant. It doesn't matter. The culture should have no bearing on how you think. And if God made you short, well, you're short, and it doesn't matter to Him.
I do not know all the reasons why you are the way you are. I don't have the mind of God on such things. I do know that God is good. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. He does nothing haphazardly, whimsically, or without a purpose. For reasons that he has not disclosed, he made you short. These are hidden mysteries only found in God's divine wisdom. Don't expect him to reveal to you or to me why you are short in this lifetime. Let's move on. And let's remember that there is no two-tier system. And so whatever the thing is that's in your life that tempts you to disqualify yourself, stop it. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul says, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Let's move on. There is a reason that you are short, and God is good. Let his goodness to you be more meaningful than the things that you crave. If you do that, discontentment will flee, and peace will come. Though you may disqualify yourself because of your shortcomings, God will not. Perhaps you have been divorced and you have relegated yourself to the lower shelf of Christianity. Listen to me. There is no two-tier system in God's world. Either we all are worthless before God or we're all righteous before God. You're in one camp or the other. There is no in-between. God does not disqualify us from being used by Him because he gifts us with the grace that we need, which overpowers our inabilities, our inefficiencies, our inadequacies, and our shortcomings. It's not about your ability or your inability. It's about God's grace. Quitting does not even disqualify you. Think about Peter here. There are no three strikes and you're out with God you remember in John 21, 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Let's be honest. Have you sinned more than three times in your walk with God? Well, of course you have. I have. There's no three strikes and you're out. Now, I'm not making light of sin that I have committed. I'm not making light of anything that you may have done. I'm not making a case for you or I to go and sin more. What I am doing is I'm making a case for the non-disqualifying grace of God that works in you for His glory and for your good. Now, you can quit God, and you can go fishing if you want to. I can't stop you, though I'm not recommending that you do that. I'm also not calling you to presume on God's grace. If you're that kind of person that's thinking that way, that I cannot be disqualified, then I'm going to go sin more. Well, then you have a deeper, more significant problem. But this one thing I do know, God's grace can overcome your supposed inadequacies or your sins. The key to living in this kind of grace, it really is this one thing. Get over yourself. 
there is too much introspection with the person who has turned inward and somehow is thinking about all the things that they've done or all the things that they've not done or the way that they are, and they use those things as some kind of criteria to disqualify themselves. They are preoccupied with themselves. They need to be preoccupied with the grace of God. It's more imperative for this individual to be gospel-centered than self-centered. The truth is it's more imperative for all of us to be gospel-centered than self-centered. But the person who's thinking that they are disqualified, there is something biblically out of line with their thinking, thinking about yourself will discourage you. Thinking about God will encourage you. It's a matter of direction. Now, I know that's easier said than done, especially if you have habituated your life in thinking about yourself and being preoccupied, or you have been shaped that way by other people who have constantly put you down, criticized you, and that will most certainly turn you inward and cause you to be shaped to where you have a preoccupation with self, and it will be hard for you to uh, unhabituate yourself, and that's where you want to get help, to help uh, someone to come alongside you to help change your thinking to where it is more gospel-centered and rather than self-centered. You don't want to be discouraged, but the quick way of discouragement is to turn your mind inward and begin running this tape in your mind of all that you are in a negative sense, or all the things that you have done. Will you offer yourself to God? just the way that you are, asking him to use you the way that you are, regardless of what you think about yourself. The only thing that qualifies you is your emptiness. It is not your fullness. It's not your perceived greatness or any other thing that you can think of that will make you eligible in God's mind. It's not about what you have, but about what God has. It is God's abundance and your emptiness that makes a perfect match. But if you are full of yourself, inward, thinking about yourself all the time, stuck on yourself, the grace of God will be ineffective in your life. David said it this way in Psalm 51 when he finally came to that place of brokenness in his life. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice, or else I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. That's Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, where he finally came to that place of emptiness in, in his own life and realized that it is at that point where God can use me. So I don't know what's in your past. I don't know what you see in your rearview mirror. But if you're operating from a position of humility, you need to know that there is favor for you. If you have done whatever the sins may be in your life, they do not disqualify you. If you humbly turn to God and confess those sins and receive his forgiveness, then you need to stop penalizing yourself for whatever those things may be. 
There is no two-tier system within the Christian life. And so regardless of what you are, you're too short. Or what you have done, whatever that sin may be, if you turn to God in your emptiness and let Him fill you, He will use you for His glory. Now again, I know that this will be hard for some of you, and you will need help, and so I would appeal to you. Here's two things that I would want you to consider. One, you can come to our website and you can ask your questions, whatever they may be. We'll be here to answer and help walk you through this. You don't want to be stuck in this place forever. We want to move on. You want to find your uniqueness in God's world, in His grace of God world. And you want to be used according to the uniqueness that He has given you and even your sins, whatever they may be. God can use those for His glory as well. Imagine sitting across from someone and sharing that, yes, I have failed this way too, but let me tell you about the grace of God. That is one profound way that God can use your sin sinlessly. And so if you need to, come to our website, rickthomas.net, and ask your question and let us help you through this matter. The second thing that I would appeal to you to do is to get my book, Change Me, The Ultimate Life Change Handbook. I would want you to get it and read it. It is a process that will walk you through this idea of transformation in a most practical way. And so if you get that book, start reading it, using it, and let it be a tool in your sanctification. If you want to read this podcast, you can go to our website, Can God Use Me? The Non-Disqualifying Grace of God. Encourage yourself in the Lord today. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.